Hey, how's it going? My name is Jesse here, founder and the host of the I Am Horrible at Business podcast show, where we bring on guests to talk about the challenges and struggles of being an entrepreneur. And today is our very first episode. I don't have a formal introduction. I don't got a fancy show intro or anything like that, but I do have a very special guest and a good friend of mine. His name is Seth Williams. He is the founder and the main blogger behind one of the biggest uh, real estate investing blogs out there, retipster.com. He is a good friend who helped me get started in this industry as well. So I am very, very privileged to have him on the show as he talks about his journey and challenges as an entrepreneur. I do hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I've got my first guest today on the I Am Horrible at Business podcast. My first guest here today is Seth Williams over at retipster.com. Um, Seth, how's it going today? Going good. Good to be here, Jesse. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for coming on this podcast. And this podcast is really centered around talking about the difficult things about running a business or starting up a business. Um, and And... You're one of the first people that I met, and I'm in the real estate world as well. You're one of the first people that I met in in the real estate world, and um, I would love to sort of bring you on. I wanted to bring you on this show and uh, and talk about your journey and and some of the struggles that you went through uh, when you when you're sort of starting. Everybody kind of goes through struggles and challenges when they're starting up their own business and continue to run their business. Um, but before we get to that, Seth, can you share a little bit about? Uh, who you are and what you do and and really w- what niche you're you're part of and which I already mentioned already but yeah if you can share a little bit about yourself yeah yeah well let's see it all kind of starts like maybe 12ish years ago now when I started really getting serious into the real estate investing world I, I knew I didn't want to just work a normal job my whole life and real estate seemed like the thing to do so spent lots of time on that lots of time wasting time and screwing things up. I finally landed on something that worked and that was land investing, which also kind of branched off into rental property investing and stuff like that. And uh, over the years of doing that, I just realized like I kind of had a lot of knowledge in my head that could help people. And um, I wanted to find a way to get that out, but I didn't know if I wanted to like write a book and I don't know. I just, I didn't feel, it felt weird to me to do that kind of thing. Um, but after after really seeing a handful of really good examples of people who were doing this well in other spaces, not in real estate, um, I kind of saw how I could make this work. I could I could really do something valuable, and so that's when I started RE Tipster. And at RE Tipster, you know, I've just put tens of thousands of hours into like blog posts and videos and. We've got our own podcast and we've got other people that work for the company now. And um, it's just a ton of fun and it's, I love it. I mean, it's just so much fun to make this stuff and take things that really trip me up and like package them into nice little solutions and just give them to the world for free. And uh, it's been an awesome business. And um, so, yeah, so that's, it's kind of like I have a foot in the real estate world and a foot in the content creation blogging mediapreneur world sure yeah yeah it's and and if you ever get into real estate yourself um uh, for those of you that are listening you won't not be able to come across that set it's literally everywhere and i think that that's how i got into real estate but uh, one of the things about seth is really how genuine you are um and 
um, it, it comes across in your content um, and how you sort of evaluate things out there. You don't really put an opinion uh, on on things, but you sort of evaluate it for what it is. And um, it, it's interesting here to hear the downsides and the upsides of everything that you break down. And um, <clears throat> I know you're open and, and genuine person, and that's why I wanted to bring you on this show and, and talk about that as well. And this is what this show is all about. Really, I mean, everybody goes through struggles and challenges, you know, failures and whatnot. And that's what we're going to be centering around this episode all, all on, or this whole podcast on. Um, now, I've got a list of questions here. I'm, I figured I'm just going to go ahead and fire them off. This is our first episode. I don't really have a formal structure. I think over time, the show will sort of evolve and take more of a shape. Um, and um, uh, But for now, I, I'd love to sort of dive into some of the things. And I've shot you these questions before, and you sort of had a um, thought through them, and you sort of shared your answers with me. And um, let's sort of just kind of go through from, from, from the top here. Um, so one of the bigger questions here is really what is probably your biggest challenge or um, fear of starting or getting into what you are doing now? And and I know that's 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 quite a long time ago, but what could you sort of remember with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, I'm a pretty introverted, pretty private person by nature. Like I don't I don't love just like sharing the details of my life with people that I don't know, even people I do know, I don't really share a whole lot with them. Um, and when I thought about this idea of becoming this like online personality, I just like, I just didn't want it. I didn't want, I didn't want to do it. You know, it's, it wasn't me. And uh, I was terrified of putting my face on a video and putting my name out there and just knowing how, cruel like an internet troll can be like you know you put all this work into somebody people just like crucify you for you know saying something wrong that kind of thing i just i'm one who agonizes over this stuff before it even happens if it ever happens and for somebody like me to get to do what i'm doing now it's kind of like a miracle like sometimes i'm surprised it ever worked out um really like the only reason it worked was because i you know there were like I mentioned, there are a few people that I was paying attention to. One was Pat Flynn of smartpassiveincome.com. And I, the reason that he was so influential was not just because of like seeing the success he was having and how helpful his site was, but also just like seeing his personality and seeing a lot of myself in him. Like he's, yeah. he's got, you know, yeah. quirks and he doesn't necessarily come across as like the most confident person in the world. Like he's sort of reveals you know his shortcomings and that kind of thing and i was like well there you go i don't have to be this like fake you know arrogant person yeah. i can be real because he's being real and he's making it work um yeah. so i've kind of used a lot of yeah just what he's done as a template and it, man if i didn't have him or other people like uh, corbett Barr, who at the time was running think traffic now he runs fizzle a handful of other people in that space yeah. if i didn't have them as like a template <clears throat> to follow like, I don't know that it ever would have worked out, but that was a, a huge fear that was holding me back in the beginning. Yeah, and I think that's one of the people that we really connected on. It, if it weren't for Pat Flynn for myself either, I remember I was also working a nine to five and I was really scared to take the jump. Um, I was in a totally different industry with my wife. We were doing nail art and she was creating content and we were building a membership site. And if it weren't for Pat, um, I don't think I would have made the jump either. So 
I, I think it's really important to to sort of have those kind of I wouldn't say idols, but people that you can sort of look up to um, and, and learn from wh- what they've done. And, and same thing, even with you in the real estate world, when I first came into the real estate world, I remember everybody just seems so <clears throat> had that guru vibe, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I do. And you were the, one of the first people and still continue to be one of the rare people in that space that have such a huge voice, but continue to carry such a genuine, genuine tone across everything that you do. So, oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I totally get, get, get what you're saying, sort of tying your own self brand. And I remember just listening to something recently and, and one of the I don't know if it's a key to success or whatever it is, but when you're building a business, um, the importance of actually tying, um, uh, holding your name accountable to your business is really important. And obviously you've done that. You've literally become the face of, of uh, RE Tipster, even though you have a team. Um, how do you sort of deal with that now? Is it sort of, it's not a big deal anymore to you? I know a lot of people that are afraid of, of actually putting their face out there, um, yeah. myself included, when I first was, was getting started, because a lot is riding on you. You feel that accountability now. You can't, you can't duck it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes it still bugs me, honestly, to this day. <laughs> like um, when I, I guess in a way, I, I feel like maybe I'm sort of image conscious. In, and I, w- when I say that, I mean, I don't necessarily want to look like I know everything, but like, I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to look like uh, when it comes to presenting just simple information, not even like talking about my success, but just like, if I'm trying to explain a point, like when I shoot videos, my my raw footage is way, 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 way longer than the actual video because I (laughs) I'll say the same thing several times. And I want to be able to edit it so that when the, the viewer sees the final product, like it looks clean. It's easy to understand. I don't sound like a fool. And um, yeah, it just, it kind of comes back to this insecurity I have. Like I'm not one who can just go live on Facebook or YouTube and like sound smart. Cause that's just not who I am. Like I have to like very carefully think right. through my message and uh, in a way that's actually kind of a superpower because it, it means that like when you finally do hear from me, it's going to be good for the most part. But just getting there is so laborious. I mean, it just takes so much time. Um, so I don't know. It's it's like this weird double edged sword. But, and and ultimately that the whole right. fear, yeah, totally. The the whole fear of like putting your face and name and opinion out there and all that stuff. It's um, I think one way I deal with that is to just like very carefully think through what I say and think of every possible repercussion or misconception person could ha- a person could have about that. Uh, but in the end, like just realizing all I can control is myself. And like, once I've done that, well, I have to let go. And it does happen. Like even today on, on Facebook, I think it was somebody, somebody mentioned me and they're like, my favorite guru is Seth Williams. And I was just like, Oh, like, don't call me that. Like (laughs) that's, like coming from the coming from the, the bigger pockets world, like I seriously kind of take that as an insult. That's like really not saying a nice thing. And I, and I don't think this person meant that. I, I think if anything, they were trying to say something nice about me, but like just um, the point is like people can and will trash you from time to time and do all sell sorts of nasty yeah. things as if you're not even a human being. Um, and I think just yeah. Sort of expecting that and realizing like, you don't really know me. 
I don't, I wouldn't ever come to you and ask your advice in the first place. So why do I care about your opinion now? That kind of thing. And it's a, in the end, like I, I do care about opinions. Like it's not that I am above that, but just realizing like there comes a point sure. where you need to not let that define who you are and define how you're going to feel about yourself because it really shouldn't. Yeah. And over time, I mean, you come to grasp with it and you learn how to adjust to, to that kind of, <clears throat> you know, the internet can be a very cruel place. <laughs> so I'm yeah. sure everybody has seen, you know, has seen different comments, you know, just, just go on any YouTube page or, or video and, and I'm sure you'll find tons of uh, funny stuff being posted there. So now that's voices from other people. What about yourself? Did, did you have any sort of recurring voices within your own head of, um, you, you know, self-doubt or anything. Uh, wh what did you constantly have to deal with, especially when you were getting started? And and also, is that still existent nowadays? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, there's every day, really. I have to battle against voices that are, you know, telling me that uh, you don't deserve to do this. You don't deserve to teach anything. You haven't done enough. Um you know, you haven't done enough deals or big enough deals or complicated enough deals or whatever. Like basically you don't deserve to be in this position. And um, it, this happens a lot, actually, when I see people in our community, like people who have, who have learned the real estate business from Ari Tipster, like they basically learned it from me or another writer yep. on our platform. And they're now out doing deals bigger than anything I've ever done. So like in a way, when you stack, when I stack myself up to them, I'm like, man, you should be the one right. doing this. Not me. Like I, you've literally better at this than I am. And that, that always is a really weird mind game to me because um, while right. in a sense, if we're just measuring this by the number of deals or the amount of money made or whatever, in a sense, that's true. If that's what matters, but Another thing that matters is, are you going to do it? Like, do you know how to make a video? Do you know how to explain what you did? Are you willing to do that? Do you even want to right. do that? Because 99% of the time, the answer is no. Like, they're not going to do it. Um, which, in a way, I think is a little tragic because the world could learn a lot from those people. But it just comes down to, like, similar mm -hmm. to me back when I was starting Ari Tipster. Like, I wasn't sure I wanted to do this. And a lot of people, most people really, I don't yeah. think are interested in it. They want to do something else. Um, and I think for me, the reason that kept bringing me back to this content creation thing was like, I just love it. Like, it's just what I'm wired to do. It's, it's not because like, I don't like, you know, doing other things. It's just that like in the end, like if I've got 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week, like I want to spend as much as I can of that doing the thing that I love the most. And it's kind of what Ari Tipster is. Yeah. It's really interesting that you <clears throat> have that sort of thought of, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't do enough deals. I don't have, you, you have that sort of recurring thought. And I have that same thing as well. Um, now, one of the ways that I, I sort of combat that is I, I just, I used to sort of kind of like shy away from like, I kind of don't even really talk about it. Nowadays, I'm pretty open about it. Like, do you sort of combat a lot of your doubt just by being honest about it? Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I guess it sort of depends on what angle that question is coming from. There's uh, 
Sure. I mean, if it's just the recurring, the recurring voice in my head, yeah, I think so. Just kind of being yeah. honest about that. Um, yeah. If it's talking about like, you know, another guru or another person out there who's like, Seth doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't do <laughs> 500 deals this year. Um, the, you know, that that's a weird thing. I, I haven't really figured out how to respond to that yet because like, um, I don't know. It, it, there's like this, this standard out there that like, yeah. that's what matters. And I think it, it does matter to a point. I mean, a person should obviously know what they're talking about. They should have a track record and be able to prove that they are worth listening to. But like, where does that stop? Like, when is it enough? Like, like right. whether right. it's a hundred or a thousand or 5,000 or 15,000 or like, like at what point am I allowed to have a voice? And at what point do I have something to contribute or not? And um, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is like, I'm not going to let that say that, yes, Seth, now you're allowed to talk because you've hit this mark, this arbitrary mark yeah, that somebody right. else set up just as a, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, so, yeah, but in terms of like how I deal with that, I mean, yeah. I try to be honest with it. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't like yeah. say I'm doing something that I'm not for sure. I, I couldn't live with myself, sure. but, right. but, but I also like, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like to broadcast that. Like I didn't do mm. as many deals yeah. this year, or I didn't do as many deals as yeah. this other person, or I haven't done a deal like that before. It's more just like, I want to learn when I can. And when a person has something new, it's mm. like, that's cool. Let's help everybody learn from this. It's it's not so much of me trying to measure myself yeah. up to them. It's just like, you should have the platform too. Come come on board and let's all learn together. That kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, it's insane how many land investors you've helped, myself included, and you know my co-founding partner as well. And it's just it's just incredible of the platform you you. I mean, it, it your your work just shows. You know, what I mean, like, um, <clears throat> it's it's been. What you've done is is super impactful. Um, uh, honestly, has been so. I have a lot to be thankful for that. Um, now let's sort of come into the technical side of things. So a lot of technical challenges sort of hang people up as well from getting started, or or um, they they sort of start doubting themselves, or they're they're not able to get through some of the stuff um, that they want to put out there or build out. Uh, what was some of the bigger technical challenges? you are facing or you are dealing with when you were sort of getting started with RE Tipster? Yeah, well, um, I know just lack of time has always been a big uh, hurdle mm. to get over and it remains a big hurdle. It's, it's something that I, I, I've never really conquered or gotten over. Um, and this is something I think anybody who runs a content creation site or I don't know, any kind of media platform, whether it's YouTube or a podcast or anything, they can probably relate. We're like, there's just, there's always going to be 10 times more ideas and things I want to do than I'll have time for. And uh, it's kind of just about realizing when you have a plan for something and you imagine how much time it's going to take, the reality is it's going to take at least twice that amount of time. Like that's pretty much always how it, how it uh, pans out. And, uh, and I used to get really frustrated by it. And I still do sometimes, but um. I think it's there's sort of this acceptance, like you just have to start being okay with that because there's no way around it really, or find a way right. to hire good help that can 
help it go faster. But, but even that, I gotta say like, um, even when other people are making content and I'm trying to oversee that, it still takes forever. I mean, the, the difference is that they, they might do like the initial writing or shooting the video, but like, they're also not gonna get it done that quickly. And there's also gonna be things that they have to redo and that kind of thing. And so it's just uh, the time constraint thing is a big, big challenge. Um, and in terms of like, j just like, te te I'm sorry, were you saying something? No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, in terms of like technical challenges, so like videos, I think I mentioned this earlier, videos have always been hard for me, but I, I love it at the same time. It's the, I, I'm really bad at my delivery in most videos, which most people don't know because they don't see my original raw footage, but like, I mean, right. I, I say stuff wrong. I stutter. I, I, I do. I just do a horrible job. And, <laughs> but I'm able to get the right words out <laughs> in the right way eventually. And so that's why my raw footage ends up being so long. And then I have to edit and splice it together. And, um, and just like having the right camera, getting the right lighting and, you know, finding time to do it and then having something good to say in the first place and being able to actually show it and, like the goal with every piece of content that I make is like, it should have the power to change somebody's life. It, not every piece of content is for everybody. Like some people don't care about this or that, but if you're somebody who does care about this, like your life should be different by the time you're finished with this. And, uh, and like, it should be something that people would pay for. It's gotta be that good. This is not, I don't make anything just to make noise or just to talk. Like it's gotta be super actionable mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's hard to wow. make content like that. It's, it's having the idea, being able to explain it well enough. Um, it's super difficult, but it's like, I think it's an Abraham Lincoln quote, like anything worth doing is worth doing well. And I, I try really hard to not do things just to do them, but to like really change somebody's life. And uh, the technical side wow. of making a good video and even just like getting all the right information, fact checking it, make sure making sure it's right, you're accounting for anything about it that might be wrong or incomplete. It's just it's a huge task, but uh, it's super fulfilling when it's finally finished and you hit publish and you see it go out into the world and you see people interacting with it and you hear stories of people who, you know, quit their job because of it or you know, made. A bunch of money somehow because they followed what i said in this thing that wasn't out there before i mean that's it's very rewarding yep. and it's it's a good reminder of how like it is worth every second of pain and toil that it takes to make that content because it's it actually does change lives in the end which is really cool yeah i mean if you ever come across sets any of his you know content or even his website you can tell right away you hold a very high bar of quality and 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 production value, everything it, you can see. And, <clears throat> and I guess this, this is different for everybody, but has that ever held you back from, from sort of maybe launching something or getting started or something or holding ideas back? Um, I, I'm, I, and I think this has to do with personalities too. Like I, I tend to sort of get something out there and, and iterate where you come from the approach to make sure you, you put out the best piece of, content out there as possible um and i'm uh, this obviously has worked uh, out very very well for you but 
has it ever delayed any sort of major projects that you wanted to put out there and, or even stopped you from putting a project out there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, Jaron Barnes, he's kind of like the, my right hand man. Um, yeah. we talk a lot about ideas, like what other direction could our tipster go? Like, could we make software? Could we launch this or launch that? And Jaron is, uh, you ever heard of the disc test i don't think he i don't know if he's taken this test but i think he's like a high d like he's got tons of ideas and he, <laughs> he's really good at like th thinking long term and direction and that kind of thing i'm okay at yeah. it but it's i'm actually better at just getting my head down and doing the work i'm sort of like half and half so anyway he has lots yeah. of ideas that he shares and um a lot of times just knowing how hard it is to make a good thing, like something that you can really be proud of, yeah. uh, like just building a simple website that can be hard, you know, and uh, just knowing how hard that is every time the idea of software comes up or something else, I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> just like shooting his ideas down <laughs> left and right, because like, I know that like, just the word create software, that is a huge undertaking. Like that, that is an entirely different business. It's like something. And so like, I, I, I almost get annoyed sometimes, not at him, but just the idea of like, yeah, just do this. It's like, no, like, do you realize what you're, what you're committing to when you say, I'm just going to do that? Like that's, I mean, I guess you can do it if you don't really care that much. Like if you're fine putting out just a piece of garbage software that nobody's really going to find value in. And a lot of people do that. But I, I'm somebody that like, I don't do it unless it'll, it's going to be awesome. And I, if I know I can't do that, or if I don't have the time then we're not going to do it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely held me back from lots of ideas and it's made me get really selective about like, we're only going to do this stuff that we can do a remarkable job of. And that's not a whole lot of stuff when you think about it. Yeah. And, and it, and it absolutely keeps you very focused. And I guess, what do they call it? The sh shiny ball uh, syndrome where, where you're able to stay focused and, and shoot down ideas. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, <clears throat> this, this is a real thing. Uh, I mean, I, I, I go through it and I'm sure a lot of other entrepreneurs kind of go through it where, you know, oh, here's the si new shiny object and then sort of start falling down that rabbit hole and get distracted. And, yeah. um, and I think that's one of the things that I, I, again, I do see that in, in your work is, is, you know, you're very, very selective with what you do. Um, and it comes out at a, at a very high quality. So, mm -hmm. um, and then, so we were talking about technical challenges, um, any other sort of technical challenges that you've sort of struggled with? So we talked about time, yeah. um, the fact that, um, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, producing your content, you, you it's sort of polished, um, stuff that yeah. you put out there. Is there anything else? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is just, as Ari Tipster has grown, it's grown pretty slow, honestly, in terms of like the number of team members we have. We've got four now, officially, including me, um, and in a handful of different various contractors. But it's uh, it just it makes me realize what a miracle it is. Whenever you see any company that employs like five hundred people or whatever, like. The fact right. that that is even a thing, like how on earth do you keep that many people on task, doing a good job, working together for a common good? Like it is so hard. It, I think part of the challenge is I in totally just, agree with you. Yeah, part of the challenge is just in getting the right people 
who like are competent and they have the right attitude and they care. Um, but then there's also like, even if you got the best person in the world, like they're still not going to get it right. Like they're going to misunderstand and they're going to go down the wrong track and it takes constant course correction. And um, I, this whole idea of like micromanaging, I don't know that I micromanage exactly, but um, I have a really hard time like just saying, you do this and the outcome is up to you and it's going to come out good. Like I, I have a hard time trusting people with that. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's something that I've, I don't have mastered by any stretch and I don't, I don't know if I ever will. It's almost like I have to not care about quality or something. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's really hard to get all those things aligned and working together and putting out a good end product. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting too. Uh, I, I, our team has grown very, very slowly as well. And, um, I, I, I'm same with you. Like, I don't understand how, how is it possible that you're able to manage so many people? And, um, I'm, I'm part of another coaching program, but just seeing other people having, you know, 10, 15 people, it blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, I can barely manage myself. I, I, and, and maybe it's in the inefficiencies of my processes but the fact is i mean uh, you really have to be aware of of your business your processes to be able to take on somebody it, it, it's 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 a huge undertaking so i totally yeah. completely get where you're coming from yeah. um, all right so let's sort of jump into the meaty part here um and and really talk about you know everybody kind of goes through their their failures and and, and sort of those moments that sort of defined a lot of things or a lot of lessons for you. Um, and first of all, thank you for so far being so open and, and open to sharing this stuff. And <clears throat> it isn't easy for anybody, especially that is running their own business to be able to open up about th these types of things. So um, what would you say were your one or two biggest failures? Um, and, and what did it lead to? Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of a just an ongoing weakness. I think it's not like there was some catastrophic event necessarily, but, um, something that I I'm just not great at is, uh, like this management thing, just like keeping people doing the right thing on task on track. I feel like I've actually taken some big strides lately to get better at that. I've been following the EOS traction thing. You ever heard of that? No, I'll put that in the show notes. What is that called again? Yeah, it's a it's called Traction by Gino Wickman, and it's oh yes, yes, yeah. Right. It's kind of okay. like this this big framework for it's a big overarching almost philosophy, but a lot yeah, of like so is it? No, it's it's not the Traction book, is it? Yep, it is. I think that's what it's, it's the one is I know. Right yep, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Read this one. <laughs> oh, sorry, go for it. <laughs> it. It's just, I mean, I I actually listened to like half of the audiobook and kind of just didn't finish it. But it wasn't until a couple of the people that I know just would not stop talking about it, and they always seemed to have the answers to my problems uh, in terms of like how to run a company, basically. <laughs> and uh, so, just after hearing constant references to this, I've been digging into it more, and there's lots of different like. Like there's one thing, I think it's called the level 10 meeting agenda where 
it just shows you like how to have a really good efficient meeting where like things actually get done. You don't waste time. Like everybody walks away with clear uh, ideas of what they're supposed to be doing and uh, just stuff like that, that I just didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I still, I'm not an expert at it, but I'm, I'm getting better. But um, just this whole idea of like meetings, I don't love meetings. Like I, I would rather just, in some ways, I almost want somebody else to be my boss and just, as long as they tell me to do what I want to do, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm, I'm much better at like, you know, get like getting involved in a project and just like doing the work myself. Like that's my natural strength. So when you put me in front of an organization, and that's, say, I guess what, what was that? And I guess that's where we all sort of start from, you know, always, you know, where we all start from is just with our heads down. And then we're suddenly we're thrown in that position where, Hey, you got to manage a team now if you yeah. want to start scaling and growing and doing this for real. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this other book I just finished not long ago. I think it was called How to Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For. And one of the things it was talking about is exactly what you said there is like anybody, the only reason they get anywhere is because they're like a star performer in the actual job. But once they start leading people, they have to flip their script. Like, what got them there does not matter anymore. It's not about you being the rock star anymore. It's about helping your team become the rock stars and giving them what they need. And it's just a very, very different way yeah. of thinking. And uh, I feel like I'm slowly figuring it out, but um, I'm just not not good at it. Like it's not my natural thing. And so it's it's taking a lot of effort for me to get better at that. And. And what kind of efforts are you taking? Obviously, you mentioned a couple books there, including Traction. Um, if somebody were in the same position as as you and, and I am too, in that position where I'm I'm, I'm horrible at, at you know managing my team, and we do we do uh, now we're doing sort of set set meets and, and certain meets that cover certain topics. But what what do you suggest or, or for somebody who's sort of in that position where hey you know I, I we've got a team here and I you know. I'm not good at, at communicating or, or, or managing. Yeah. Well, like I said, like I, I don't fully know. So I feel, feel dumb giving any advice on this, but um, just that book traction, like, or the EOS stuff. I don't know if it's a model or what you call it, but framework. Um, yeah. The framework there, there is so much in that. Like there, you, there's, you can literally pay consultants like 50,000 bucks to teach you for months and probably years about how to do it well. Right. Um, so like just understanding, like how do we make sure that everybody is clear on what they're supposed to do, that the right people are in the right seats, that there's an, and a good vision for the company. We know where it's going. Like the, a lot of the stuff, like I was just kind of like working on stuff every day, you know, not really even thinking 12 months ahead, but just like, what can I do today? It, and I think there's a time and place for that, but like you also have to steer the ship and figure out, okay, where is it going? And where are the pain points? And like, what is everybody doing all week? Let's make sure we're all doing this efficiently. And uh, I think it, it helps if you're happy to get on calls and have meetings and coach people and that kind of thing. That's, that's one of those things like I can do. It. It's not that I can't, it's just not what I would prefer to do. Um, and uh Right. I, I think just getting in that different mindset of like, it's not about me so much anymore. Like it's about me finding the right people. There's this other book uh, by Mike Michalowicz called Clockwork that I'm about halfway through right now. And one of the things he 
says in there is don't ask, how do I do it? But ask who can do it. And once you just ask that different question right. of like, it's not about me anymore. It's about who should be doing this and how can I help them do it? Like that's a, that's really what spells the difference between you being a slave to your business and like really letting your business serve you is by not making yourself be the bottleneck. And, and is that something that you struggle with? I, yeah. I, clearly, I know I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what, <laughs> what it boils down to is like, I'm always going to do the best job at what I want to do because I know what's in my head and I, I care right. more, more than anybody and more than I can really expect anybody else to care. Like I'll, right. I will just beat myself into the ground to get the job done. Right. And, uh, why would anybody else do that other than me? You know? So, um, right. yeah. So, so yeah, I, I do struggle with it and, I think maybe there's a little bit of just acceptance of that, just realizing like this will never be perfect. Like get okay with that. But right. the the trick comes yeah. in figuring out, okay, but what is the right balance? Like what should I expect? Like what is the minimum threshold right. for good enough? And uh, that's that's the part that's not always clear to me. Like I, I don't want to be unreasonable in what I expect from people that work for me, but um, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. That's what I don't, I don't have that figured out. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get you. And and sometimes it's sort of just a feely out process where you just gotta, you kind of maybe sometimes you gotta go on to one extreme and the other extreme and really find that happy medium. And nobody's gonna ever gonna tell you, nobody's ever gonna tell you how to run a business, right? At the end of the yeah. day, that's what this this is what makes running a business so interesting and fun yeah. and stressful at the same time is is all the we're running experiments all the time. We're like scientists trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And, and, and it, it, it can be a pain in the ass a lot of times. So yeah, I get where you're sure. coming from. Um, and, and, okay. So we're, we talked about that, uh, you know, the, the team side of things. And then is, is there any sort of other um, challenges or, or failures that you're currently dealing with then? Yeah. Well, I think this is something that's always been like sort of bubbling beneath the surface ever since I started doing well, probably with anything entrepreneurial I've ever done, but I've noticed yeah. this a lot with RE Tipster, particularly because it's so time consuming. Like it is just so time consuming until I can figure out how to offload this stuff, which as we just talked about, I can't seem to figure that out either. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like RE Tipster is like the most fun I've ever had in any kind of work. Like, and I think it comes down to like, I'm just wired for it. And it took me forever to figure out that that's what I'm wired for is that kind of work. There's a lot of things I can do reasonably well, but that's what I think I can do the best at. And it's kind of a gift to have been able to discover that because many people I feel like never discover that. Like they never really figure out this is what I was born yeah. to do. And they kind of just slog through their work life and it's sort of miserable. And like that very well could have been me if I didn't figure this out miraculously. But so it's super fun, but like, because I love it so much, it sort of becomes a little bit of an idol to me. Like it's, um, I just think about it so much. Like before we had kids, like I would spend all of my free time doing this kind of work. And I think I'm, I'm pretty good at balancing that now, but, but even like when my kids are taking a nap or something like what do you think I'm doing? I'm doing RE Tipster work. <laughs> it's because I really like it. So there's, there's sort of this like workaholic workaholism going on 
which um yeah i don't know i i don't i don't actually know how bad it is because i don't have much to compare it to and like my parents weren't workaholics or anything because i i don't know that i never really saw that in them but um i don't know sometimes i just wonder if like do i like is it healthy for me to love this this much like like should i not be working so hard on this i don't know but i i wonder about that sometimes oh man i yeah so <laughs> so funny it, it's one of those things that has been on my mind a lot recently too it's like am i putting too much time uh, you know and it's it it I don't know if it was like this for you, but did you realize you were a bit of a workaholic suddenly? Like you were probably in it for a while and then you kind of like reflect back, like, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. I notice a lot of my time is going there. Or did you know that's that from day one? You know, it's, uh, you know, if the listeners don't know this, I'm a Christian and in Christianity, it's a big deal to not have anything before God. Like God is supposed to be the number one thing above right. everything like no questions asked and i believe that and but the truth is like there are times when god is not the first thing on my mind like there's other stuff i want to do other things that really matter right. to me i think that's just a normal part of any human experience and uh yeah so yeah i, I think it kind of stems from that just knowing like do i love this more than i love god like is that a, is that an issue that i need to resolve and fix and um, it's almost kind of been this, I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that I'm even asking that question means it's probably an issue or I wouldn't be thinking that, but, um, it's just something I have to constantly like keep in check and, uh, just stay aware of yeah. that. And I, I don't think I do it perfect much of the time, but. Yeah. And, and, and so how are you combating that out of my own personal curiosity? I mean, if, for, you know, when you're talking about when the kids are napping, I mean, I, I'm literally on the weekends. I will work before the sun comes up. So at least I find some, you know, spare time with the family. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when, as soon as they, he naps, I, I'm, I'm back at it. And I, I'm trying very hard to say, you know, I have a Friday today is a Friday when we're recording this and I'm trying to set it so that the weekends are more of a break. And I try to get in a little bit of hobby time or something like that, personal enjoyment and a little bit of reading, but what do you do uh, to stay in check? And, you know, are there some practical, literally hands-on things that you kind of do to pry yourself away from, you know, sitting in front of that computer? Yeah, man. I mean, there, there are things I try to do like there every week I'll, I'll do this. Uh, I basically just take a day or two and I'll go to this cabin in the woods in a place that I know of. And I'm just no phone. I'm just alone with my thoughts. Um, and that, that's a good reset uh, thing that I do once a year. Not that often. Um, yeah. There's other, other things. Like I think being with my kids is a big thing. Like I, that's really like why I do all this stuff in the end. And um, yeah. just being around them and realizing how fun they are and just the time of life they're in and seeing their joy and innocence yeah. right now. It's just like, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's actually interesting. Cause I remember there was a Seth Godin book that I read a long time ago now. And one of the things he said was that um, if you find yourself, this is not an exact quote, but basically he was saying, if you find yourself constantly wishing and dreaming about going away on vacation, that kind of thing, maybe it's a sign that uh, you should set up a life that you don't need to escape from, you know? And in my life right now, like I actually don't 
usually feel like I need to go on vacation. Like it's not this huge, like, oh, I want to go do this other thing because it's more fun. Like I don't usually feel that way. And so I, I don't know if in a way, maybe that just means I'm fortunate. Like maybe I have succeeded to some extent at setting up a life I don't have to escape from. Maybe, maybe that's it. So I don't want to like say it's a bad thing necessarily. Maybe it's just unusual. Sure. Um, but uh, right. in a lot of ways, like right. I, I mean, there, there are things I intentionally do to not do this all the time, but um, I don't know. Sometimes I almost wonder like, is it really that bad? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to gauge it against anything. I mean, what do you gauge it against? Right. So yeah, like I, I don't um, know anybody, maybe I, I don't know many people anyway that like truly love their work to this level. And the people that I know who do love it, they're sort of doing the same thing I am like bordering on workaholism because they love it. So, yeah. so I mean, maybe, maybe there's just not that many people who are in that position. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Totally get you. Yeah. I mean, Seth, thanks again for, for coming on and, and sharing. I mean, I, I think on a podcast like this, there aren't going to be any clear answers other than I'm hoping to be able to gather a collective of thoughts and ideas and, and share them with everybody else. And, Hopefully, for those of you that are listening, can get something out of uh, the guests that come on this show. Uh, here I am trying to justify everything. <laughs> I'm quite nervous about doing this show. And uh, frankly, I, I don't even know if anybody uh, is interested in listening to a show like this. So um, I appreciate all of you that are listening. And Seth, I really appreciate you um, opening up and um, you know just really showing a, a lot of the stuff that you don't typically share out there. Again, a lot of the stuff that you put out there is... Uh, very well polished and and obviously very impactful as well. Um, so it, it 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 takes a lot to be able to come on and open up on on these things. Um, yeah, Seth, is there sort of any last? Um, this is kind of cliche on on a podcast, but any sort of wrapping up thoughts or or advice that you can pass over to others that that maybe you want to get into the content creation space um, <clears throat> that um, you know that. that that may be helpful for others that, that they can sort of take away from this show. Uh, I know that's a very, very, very open-ended question, but it, anything in particular that sticks out of your mind uh, that you resonate very well with? Yeah. Well, I mean, for people who think they might have, you know, a content creation path ahead of them. Um, yeah. I don't really know. It's hard to say because I don't know every individual person, but for me anyway, um, I didn't realize how much I was going to love it until I just started doing it. And I realized like, man, this is just coming really, this really isn't that hard. I mean, it's, I feel like good right. stuff is coming out and I'm, I have a brain that just knows how to deconstruct and almost pe almost treat a piece of written comment. Eh, start over. Almost treat a piece of written content. Like it's a work of art where you like take a piece off here and put it over there and move this around. And, um, Right. And, and I would say if, if you think you want to give it a shot, like do it, like totally do it. And like, maybe it's not for you. I don't know, but you're not going to know until you give it a try. And uh, definitely don't feel like you need to have everything figured out. You don't need to have a million bucks in the bank account. You don't need to be this amazing success story. It's really just people are looking for somebody who is one step ahead of them. And like, I try to remember that as like, it's not that I need to have wow, all the answers because I totally don't. And like, there are people in our our community who are way better at this than I am. Totally. Um, and I, yeah. I think you yeah. can, you can let that hold you back and discourage you, or you can just realize 
that's awesome for them. And I'm just going to take what little bit I know and try to make that piece easier for the world. And there's so few people who are willing to do that or just even have interest in doing that. And all it takes is one person who really knows how to articulate those answers really well. And uh, it can just, it can literally change a person's life. And I, I saw it when I was reading Pat Flynn's content all those years ago and Corbett Barr's content. And like, I knew what it was like and how amazing it yeah. was to receive that as a consumer. And I was like, man, if I could be the person who delivers yeah. that to other people, what an amazing privilege that would be. And uh, that's why I decided to do it and stick with it. That's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And I will make sure to mention all of these books that you mentioned, um, some of the podcasting with, you know, uh, people like Pat Flynn, and uh, I'll have that in the show notes somewhere. I, I, I don't know where this is going to be exactly hosted yet. But um, once again, Seth, thank you very much for being a, a, as vulnerable as you can be and, and sharing, um, uh, you know, your journey and, and some of the struggles and uh, positive things that come out of these struggles. Um, and, and that's typically what happens uh, when when you kind of go through the trench is there. You hopefully come out on the other side uh, with something um, on, on the positive end. So once again, thank you again for coming on this podcast show. Yeah. And Jesse, thank you for doing this. I mean, this is uh, this is really something that ought to be talked about. And I think, you know, you mentioned you've been like sort of nervous about this. And like, I totally get that. I Even me, like there's been these lingering thoughts of nervousness for me earlier today before doing this, just like, oh no, what's he going to ask me? Am I going to say something stupid? And, and it, it's just, it's inherently uncomfortable to talk about this stuff, but it's also yeah. like inherently very powerful because nobody does it. So like if, if we can sort of see the realness behind everybody and realize that like, Hey, maybe success kind of isn't all that great in some cases. Maybe there's huge costs I didn't, I wasn't aware of. I mean, there's I mean, like, there's a lot of valuable knowledge that'll come out of this with the more of these conversations you have. So I encourage you, I say, keep it up. Yeah. Thank you very much, Seth. I appreciate that. And hopefully down the road, we'll have you back on this show again. Yeah, that'd be fun. Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Yep. See ya.